Listen, laugh, and learn with Sasha and Ish as they share their experiences, thoughts, and tips to build skills that are not so average and a career that's not so ordinary. This is the Not So Breakfast Show. All right, welcome to the Not So Breakfast Show today, the podcast for leadership and career development. And today we're talking about personal development plans. What is one? How do you get one and how do you build your own? A little bit of DIY personal development because I don't think you should wait for your company or your job to develop you. I think you can develop yourself into a position that pushes your career forward and gives you opportunities you couldn't even dream of. And we're going to be unpacking all of that skill set today. And to help me with that discussion, one of the people that helps me with my personal development, Sasha Coburn, what is rocking in your world? No, I'm a funny no, I mean, I'm not funny, but it's funny that you asked me that. I got stuck then when you said Sasha Coburn, which is my name. <laughs> the reason I got stuck is because in the last two weeks, two different companies that I work with really closely have sent me a referral to someone else. And on both occasions, both people have spelt my name wrong. <laughs> so in one of them, I've become Sasha Cohen. I'm like, that sounds nice, like Dan Cohen from Les Mills. I, I like that a lot. Sasha Baron Cohen, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And the other one was like it was some weird – it was a surname that began with C, but other than that, it had zero relationship to my name. <laughs> so just when then you're going, Sasha Coburn, I'm going, yes, yes, thank you, Ish, the courtesy of the correct name. But why I'm really excited to be talking about this today is in one of the roles – uh, one of the boards that I sit on, and I sit on quite a few boards, and no one's going to guess which board this was. I'm not doing any, like, breaking any disclosure things here. <laughs> and we were talking about a leader within the organisation and how they view their role and this mm. idea that where you are now is not always where you're going to be. Oh, I love that. But before an organisation can say to a person, um, well, here's the personal development and professional development we think you should do, you've got to know what that person aspires to. They might be feeling like, I have hit the ceiling, I love where I am now, life is good, I want to do this job for the rest of my life. Or they might be feeling, in five years' time, I want a little bit more, and five years beyond that, I'd like a bit more, I want to go wider, I want to go deeper, or whatever. And as this person was talking about career development, having these five-year goals in mind, thinking about what skills you would need mm -hmm. to upgrade every five years, I just went... I want one. I want one of those. I want someone to care enough about me to sit down with me and say, oh, hey, Sash, where might you be in five years' time? But as you and I both know, we're going to do that mm. for ourselves. You can't wait for the fairy godmother to arrive and say, ha, ah, Cinderella, I'm going to do a career plan with you. This is something we can take responsibility for. So I'm really keen to see what you lead us through today because I'm going to apply it to my own life. And I might even do a separate one for Sasha Cohen and a second one for Sasha whatever that person A three was. for one special on personal development plans. But you are the type of person naturally that they you want to grow, right? You you are in this kind of constant state of learning and you push yourself and you stretch yourself into opportunities that force you to grow. Because I think, you know, we end up with a couple of types of people, right? We have the uh, the type of person that's not being stretched in their role, not really getting any feedback either, and is probably just putting an invisible lid on themselves. So they kind of go, huh, pretty oh, yeah. much the top of my game. I don't think I need to work on anything else. And then we have other people that are a little bit more self-aware of 
I know I need to grow in these areas. And this is really who we're talking to today. It's like if you have an awareness for growth and awareness for development, it's how do you do it in a way that actually makes a difference? Because I think we've all been in the uh, case where we've just gone, oh, you know what? I'd love to get a bit better at that. And then it just becomes something that we wish we were good at, but we don't actually develop the skill or see the opportunities to to do the skill. And it was a little quote I was playing around with today and uh, I wrote down. Can I just check, sorry, before you even say it, when you say you're playing with it, you wrote this, right? I do write it. This is yours. (laughs) This is from the mouth of, I see you do great quotes, so I'm excited for this. It's not just someone you heard of. This is original. Here we go. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) Okay, you cannot develop a positive skill that you're not aware of, but it's very easy to develop a bad skill that you're not aware of. The the way I was playing around with this is I was thinking, what are the things that we just do that we end up spending a lot of time on and developing a bad habit or a bad skill? It just becomes embedded and it becomes something that actually holds us back because we've just done it so often, right? You know, we've talked in the past about that book, Outliers, you know, that principle of 10,000 hours, although lately I've been thinking it's probably more 10,000 minutes, feels a little bit more relative to the learning styles of today, because I think 10,000 minutes, you can get some pretty good competency around something. But 10,000 hours, if you do something over and over again, you become better at it. But there's a whole lot of habitual stuff that can just happen. And especially when it's a negative skill or a negative thing that you're doing over and over and over it just becomes something that just becomes part of you other people see it it's a negative skill and it's one of those things that you've just rehearsed so much you've actually put your own development program in place it just happened to be a negative one Mm, I love that idea that we're all developing all the time it's just a question of whether we're building good habits and new skills yeah or if we're just kind of concrete or cementing old ways of doing things I don't know if this works as a as an example of that or not, but I got in my car. I've just driven from Auckland back to Hamilton. I was working with a group of wealth management uh, experts earlier today. I mean, <laughs> don't have a lot to tell them. I have $2.50 in my savings account. <laughs> so I wasn't talking about how to be a wealth manager. But as I got back into my car, I opened my car door and a banana skin fell out <laughs> of the little tray. No, it's my nightmare. And- <laughs> And the reason that the banana skin fell out is because it was on top of the sushi wrapper, the peanut slab wrapper, the apple core, <laughs> the bag that when I'm having a healthy snack had nuts in it. And so I've obviously got this thing I do where when I pull up at home, I'm in such a rush to do the next thing. There's always something new to do. Whatever's in the car just stays in the car. And so as I was looking at the side door going, you know, you're a grown woman of 50, this is embarrassing, out comes a banana skin. I just gazed across to my left and had a look in the passenger footwell. <laughs> well, blow me down if there wasn't a bag of <laughs> McDonald's there. Not necessarily mine. <laughs> but, yeah, it just has struck me that what I do is I get home and I don't bring the rubbish in. Yep. And, and even though I'm not consciously trying to have a messy car, I've developed this bad habit. Maybe that's an example of that. Without even really meaning to, Mm. you develop these bad habits. And actually what we want to do in our career development is make sure that we are deliberately doing good things. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I love what you said too about how you might have the skill that you want to achieve or to get good at, but you do nothing about it. Mm. And so for me, that feels like speaking French. I'd quite like to speak French. Yeah. <laughs> but in the 25 years that I've wanted to do that, I haven't really done much about it. Yeah. And so what we're talking about is closing that gap between skills we'd like to have actually putting a plan in place yeah that's it and it's it's recognizing what the skill actually is because i think sometimes we look at it from a surface level and you go oh well they're good at that because of x because you can only see what you can see right you're only aware of what you're aware of and that's part of the whole um ability to develop a skill is recognize what the skill is you need to work on i mean if you want to get better at tennis stop shooting hoops Right, you've got to stop playing mm-hmm. basketball and you've got to start spending some time actually playing tennis, even though underlined fitness is great for both of those things. The actual skill set is completely different and probably not transferable either. So one of the things you may want to do at the start of a personal development plan is just do a simple Google search of what skills would be useful in this type of role. And for example, it might be you want to get into HR when you you want to get better at HR. So you might go, well, what skills would I need to have in order to be good at HR? And so I Googled, what are HR people good at? And if I look here on my, on my Google search, that it's got some soft skills, uh, which is they're good at productivity, they're good at communication, they're good at active listening, and they're good at teamwork. It's kind of like soft skills. In fact, why don't we just explain what soft skills are, Sash? Because I think you explained that really well. What's the difference between a soft skill and a hard skill? Well, I like to think of hard skills as being things that anybody can learn and you can follow a list to do. So if you want to learn about how to be an accountant, you can learn the rules of accounting. Mm. It's something that you can do pretty much solo. It's a task or function you can do without interacting with others. Soft skills is the how you go about it, how you interact with other people, your emotional intelligence, your ability to work well with others, to understand yourself, to recognize what needs to be done, more intuitive skills, more human things, and things that you don't necessarily get taught at school or in a classroom. So the soft skills we've got there for the HR, as we talked about, then you've got like um, business acumen skills, which is coaching, advising, commercial awareness, managing priorities, HR creation of strategy and execution of strategy. They're quite different um, than just the soft skills. And then you've got some HR specific skills, which is recruitment selection, administration expertise, cultural awareness and sensitivity, employee experience expertise. So understanding exactly what that is. So those are kind of like more specific skills. So if we've got all of those skills available and you go, oh, well, I want to get better at HR. Well, what skill in HR are you going to focus on? Because you can't do them all. This is kind of speaking to that thing where it's hard to develop it if you're not aware of it. And I think that's right. what often happens is we look at someone and go, oh, they are good at marketing. Mm. And if we want to improve our skill set, we want to be able to break it down a little more than that. What are the components of those things? And if we don't understand them, great suggestion. Go to Google. What are the kinds of things uh, that you need in order to, order to be good at that? So let's say that the skill was communication, because that's one of the ones that was listed on our list here. You kind of go, well, I want to get better at communication. But what 
aspect of communication? Is that written communication? Is that verbal communication? Is that communication where it's like one-on-one? Is it one-on-few? Is it one-on-many? Those are completely different levels of a skill set, similar skill set, but different amplification of that skill set. If you think about communication, is it that you want to be able to explain yourself better? Or is it that you want to be able to engage people? Or is it that you want to be able to influence people? Is it that you just want people around here to do what you say? <laughs> yeah, to follow my damn instructions. And that's a Yeah. So you might go, okay, so let's say I'm going to pick my communication skill. Then you do some research. What are the aspects of communication? You might just do a simple assessment of which skill do I not have right now? Which one would be useful for me to have? Or in comparison to other people that are in roles above me, which of these skills are they doing at a higher level than me? So not better than you, at a higher level than you. Because there's a base skill and then there's a level up and then there's the level up from that. And that's the the type of research that you might do at the start to just define exactly what it is you want to work on. So rather than just doing a generic, I want to work on X, it's then break it down. What makes up X? And what do you need to work on? And what does the levels of that look like? And I think it's really um, useful to, through this whole process, switch on your self-awareness. Notice every time you get into a tricky situation or something doesn't go as well as you would expect or notice when you feel out of your depth or uncomfortable or like you've been asked to do too much or notice when a project goes wrong and recognize that that's an opportunity to improve. Yeah. Which conversations go badly for you? What's the aspect of comms that you want to improve? When are you getting overlooked? Why? Just being really curious about what's missing is a really good start. Yeah. And sometimes it's easier looking at like a hard skill, like a technical thing. So if you want to get good at Excel, you can probably just go, what are the top 10 things that you should be able to do if you're good at Excel? And one of them might be formulas. So you could spend some time practicing the formulas and learning the different formulas. Or if you want to get good at skateboarding, you might go, well, the thing I want to get good at skateboarding is I want to learn how to ollie. And to be fair, I spent my entire youth ollieing my days away, which is where you can... Did you know? <laughs> yeah, I did. I could I could jump up a curb. I could skate towards it, kick the tail and just flick it up and, yeah, just carry on, which was pretty cool. That is so cool. Yeah, I remember obsessing on that skill. In fact, one of the things I wanted to do, and I think I saw it in a movie once, but I loved the idea of being able to skate towards like a chain that was hanging, like a fence chain, and jump up and go over the chain and then land on my skateboard on the other side. And I practiced and did you master it. that? Yeah, I did. I mastered that as well. <laughs> I just oh. practiced it and practiced it and practiced it. But what was interesting is the more you kind of embed some of those base ones, like an ollie or tic-tacking or jumping over a chain or whatever it is, the next one's just a little bit easier because a lot of the yeah. skill that you might be using in the next one is based on the, the previous one. So you see it often in, in hard skills and you see the evidence of the practice come quicker. But sometimes when it comes to the softer skills like teamwork, for example, there's so much nuances within teamwork that you may not see the evidence of it as quick. So you might want to look at what the aspect of teamwork you want to focus on. And then we're going to actually break down, well, how much time are you going to spend on that? How are you going to learn that skill? And what are the fastest ways to actually learn that skill as well? But um, skateboarding, man. I love that you have linked those things together because I'm just stuck on you being such a babe magnet. You must have had teenage girls just like, just hang 
you, I mean, this wasn't just in your 30s that you were mastering it, right? It was when you were younger. We'll be right back. Do you spend too much time planning out and then freaking out about your upcoming presentations? Then the 30-minute presenter program is for you. With our audio-based training program, you can literally learn the art of presenting while walking, driving, or even in the bath. Imagine Sasha and I right there with you. Well, not in the bath, but in your ears, unpacking our 40 years of combined experience in this impactful upskill. Learn to craft messages that matter, engage an audience, and overcome those nerves. So join the 30-minute presenter program. The link is in the show notes. Get started today. It was when I was younger, but I can tell you now, no, I did not have the teenage girl. <laughs> well, it wasn't for lack of trying, because those sound like amazingly cool tricks. I also have a quote, mm-hmm. and this is the difference between us, because your quotes, they just have a bit of mystery, they shape up really well, and all I can think about is we should sell a course if you want to excel at excel. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all I got. That's a slogan for you. I like that. If you want to excel at excel, <laughs> if you want to be the word at word, I mean, there's something, there's something in that. Somebody will take that idea and run with it, I know. We'll see it on a billboard sometime soon. <laughs> you heard it here first, trademark, definitely. <laughs> all right, so let's maybe go through the key steps as we start to do our personal development plan. And you could, I mean, I, I jumped on the internet, just Googled a worksheet for a d- personal development plan. And there's heaps of them that are there. So you could just pull one up and then you could kind of work through the process. Or you could just get out a piece of paper or a spreadsheet or whatever it is that you want to do. But the first step that I've put in place is define. So exactly what we're talking about, define the skill that you want to work on and define it in detail. So I want to work on communication. The aspect of communication I want to work on is this. And then from there, you want to rate your current ability. And again, we've talked about this in the past. You could just have a scale of one to five. You you, you could just kind of come up with a, with a simple scale that you can use to kind of track your performance. And I really like the idea of defining the skill in a context that makes sense. Mm. So you want to get better at communicating from one to 10 people or one to you know, 10 or 15, that kind of number. You're quite good one-on-one, but you know that once the room gets a bit bigger, you get a bit nervous, your voice catches, you get a bit shaky, you don't speak up so much. So you define what you want to do is get better at communication in a situation where it's one person talking, you mm-hmm. and more people listening, then give it a context. So you say, I want to get better at contributing to my team meeting. Or it might be say, I want to get better at running a meeting. Because if you can define it in your context, when you move on to the next steps, you are looking for opportunities to give it a go. Yeah. So you can hold yourself to account if you've defined the context of where you're going to do this. Otherwise, it's too easy just to back away from it and say, oh, not today, because this is not quite the right environment. I want to get better at one to 10, and I've counted, and there's only nine people here, so no point trying to, you know, you can play these stupid games with yourself. Because if you go, it's in my work meetings, this is what I want to get better at, boom. That's what you're working towards. Yeah, and I've kind of described that as what what is your desired outcome? So exactly that. Perfect. So we go from defining the skill set 
and getting specific, rating sort of our current ability or perception of our current ability, and then that desired outcome. What do we actually want to be able to do as a result of working on this skill? From there, I think you want to actually put in your key actions. Like what are the steps you're going to take that would help you to develop the skill? And key actions are the things that I think people miss out on. So they go, I know what I want. I know what it looks like when I get there. But then they don't put in the, the little steps in between to actually get to that place. So if you can define those key actions, and a key action might be, I'm going to spend... 10 minutes every day just practicing how to introduce myself at a meeting. That might be a key action that you put in place and you're going to do that every single day for 10 minutes and in 10 minutes you could probably do it seven times. By the time you go through the week, you know, if we're applying our 10,000 minutes principle, suddenly all those minutes start to add up and you get really, really proficient at it. So key actions. Then you want to put a time frame around it. How long are you going to be working on the skill for? Is it 90 days? Is it 30 days? Is it 60 days? Is it 10 days? One day, whatever it is, put a time frame and then a time commitment to the amount of practice that you're going to do. So I'm going to do 30 minutes a day or an hour a week or whatever it is. And then you may even want to just put some sort of measure in place. Like, how do you know when you've got there? Like, what does it look like? What's the measurement of success? What does good look like? Yeah, and I think one of the, some of these things are so hard to measure. How do you know if you're getting better in terms of the communication? Or how do you know if teamwork is improving for you? But you can measure your actions. Mm. So if what you're going to say is, I'm working on this, I want to work on speaking up more in meetings, I'm going to practice what it is I'm going to say, I'm going to prepare better for meetings, and I'm going to do that over the next 30 days. And at the end of that 30 days, what you can look back and see is, did you take the opportunity to speak in meetings when previously you wouldn't have? Nice. And so that's not even like a quality measure. That's just saying, are you at least getting yourself in the game? Yeah. And the more you're in the game, the better you're then able to assess the quality of your contribution. But if you're not even in the game yet, just give yourself a measure that is about activity uh, and action. I think that's that, that can be a really useful thing to do. So when we were in Paris, for example, that I was – trying to challenge myself to use my schoolgirl French. Just about everyone speaks English. So every time I'd come out of a shop where I hadn't spoken English, I'd go, man, you've done it again. You've got maybe between now and the three days you've got in Paris, you might have another four opportunities to have a crack at ordering a coffee and uh, a cinnamon scroll (laughs) or a pain au chocolat. And Every morning you don't do it as an opportunity. So as soon as I had that thought, Mm. I thought, right, okay, my measure of success is not how well do you pronounce it. It's not does the person understand. My measure at the moment is give it a go, love. Yeah. Don't walk out of another shop being disappointed that you hadn't given it a go. Yeah. So that's that's like a – yeah. And sometimes you can just like force the immersion of a skill on yourself by giving yourself something that's a tangible measure or outcome at the end of it. So let's use presenting. You could go to your manager and say, I would like to speak 14 minutes at the next staff meeting on X. And that gives you two weeks, or whatever the immersion time is, to be able to deliver that. And you'll probably find that you'll get much better and much better focus at it with a little bit of pressure for that outcome than if you had no skin in the game. So sometimes those little mini tasks or mini opportunities that you can create yourself are really good for urgency and are good for time. 
You could even give yourself a little project. Like let's say you want to get better at at, uh, Excel. So you might go, I'm going to excel at Excel. (laughs) You're going to excel at Excel and you go, I'm going to produce a report that takes data from here and puts it over here using Excel. And you just research and practice and, and suddenly you've got a tangible thing that you want to be able to produce for a meeting and you've learned the sums and you've done that. Like being able to force those skills is so good when it comes to stretching yourself and, and embedding an ability. Mm. I have forced myself to enter the Auckland Marathon. I'm not going to run the Auckland Marathon. I'm doing the 11K section. I think I've mentioned this before. And that was that was that same thing. I want to develop the skill of running, but it's too easy to get out of it if I don't have an end in mind or a date that I'm working towards. Yes, great. So far, the bit about running that I've mastered, like I am 100% nailing this, is I'm eating like a runner. (laughs) So every every night when I think about what I'm going to have for dinner, I'm like, oh, I'm a runner now, but have some carbs. Better get some pasta in just to load up for my run tomorrow. And then the run tomorrow doesn't always happen, but I'm really adopting the uh, you know, the habits, the behaviours of a runner when it comes to eating. I love that. <laughs> this this could all end in disaster, right? This could go horribly wrong. You'll be running for different reasons. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Oh, cool. So part of our immersion as well, apart from forcing ourselves a mini task or a little wee outcome, is what are you going to read? What are you going to watch? What are you going to listen to? Who are we going to ask? Because I think that you can surround yourself with a whole lot of resources, with a applied focus and a discipline that's going to be able to shift you much quicker. So you might read some blogs on a specific skill. Communication has come up and then you go oh, I wonder who else talks on communication or what is out there specifically on communicating one-on-one in a meeting. That's what I want to work on. Great. So then you start Googling and, and finding research. You might watch some programs that are on YouTube on that. You might listen to some podcasts around communication. You might ask people that do it really well, what they've learned, what they've read, what they've done, and just unpack all of those skill sets. And it just becomes part of your plan, 30 days, 90 days, whatever it is, that ability to apply focus to the skill set. You know what it is. You've broken it down, more likely to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And this idea that we can build and block our skills, I think, is important. What we know is that what Mm. we focus on gets fixed. So it's not that I'm going to become an expert in a gazillion things all at once. I'm just block by block by block building those skills and those components so that in five years' time, I am exponentially better or more equipped or better able to take on a new challenge than I am now not because I've taken a multifaceted approach, but just bit by bit by bit, I've added something into my skill set. Oh, Ash, let me ask you, can you think back on when you've done this? Like when you've identified a gap and you thought, if I want to get good at this in the future, here's what I'm going to do? Because I, I, mean, I can think of a couple f- for my own career, but I wonder what yours are. I mean, definitely the the presenting presentation one, that's probably the fastest go-to. Uh, opportunities came up and I felt the pressure and did the research, talked to the people and practiced, practiced, practiced. So when I was ready for those opportunities. But the other skill that kind of comes to mind is cooking. Yeah, right. right. So... Yeah, I mean, I was crap at school, but I was good at cooking because I was brought up 
by chefs in a catering business and and that skill just became embedded and I still have this weird ability to get everything ready even if I'm just cooking it for the first time everything is ready to come out of the oven or go on the plate at exactly the right time and exactly the right same temperature like everything I just I just know like I don't even have to set a timer on an oven like I can be doing something completely different keeping an eye on the oven what's what's that boiling there taste it get all the flavors right and then it's all just ready to go out like it's just it's just built in me so the fact that I've got a chef qualification aside that was something that that was a skill set that I built over time by just pushing myself being exposed to people that can cook and and really it's my mum and dad just saying cook dinner bro (laughs) I just think all that time you wasted learning ollies and tricks with skateboards when all you needed to say to the girls of Nelson to the young woman of Nelson guys come to my house for dinner I'm going to plate it and have it ready on time it's going to taste delicious what can I get you (laughs) fine fillies that's all you needed to roll with oh man what about you Sash what's your skill set that you've uh, embedded well I'm I'm thinking not so much about the skill set but about the longer term planning and Mm -hmm. saying there's some things and opportunities that I want to be ready for. And yep. this might seem like a shallow example, but it's more towards the mindset, which says I want to be ready in a few years' time. And so what yep. do I need to do now? So if you remember when I was pregnant with Porsche, so I must have been early 30s, yep. I think. Yeah, when I was pregnant with her, like 31, maybe 32. And I thought, ah, oh, I'm going to be quite um, – I'm not going to look great when I'm pregnant. I'm going to just kind of be a, just not in the, you know, I'm pregnant. So I'm going to get, face is going to swell up. My hands are going to swell up. It's, you know, it's a good fun time bringing new life into the world. <laughs> but I thought if I'm going to make it in America as a motivational speaker, I'm going to need perfect teeth. Do you remember that? <laughs> My teeth were already yeah, pretty remember. good. But I had one that was just like not quite where it needed to be. So I went to the orthodontist and I was just starting, you know, my pregnancy was just starting to show. And I said to the orthodontist, uh, yeah, look, I've got this little wee tooth. He goes, you've got a beautiful smile. I'm like, yeah, but there's a little one that's just not quite in the right place. Could you fix that? He said, yeah, we can fix it. It won't take very long. But what, do you want to do it now while you're pregnant? I'm like, yes, I want to do it now while I'm pregnant. He said, why do you want to do it? I said, so that if there's ever an opportunity in the future to be a motivational speaker in America, I'll be ready. I'll have the perfect teeth. It won't, it's not a, it's something that I've just got to be ready for, knowing that in the future that might be a, you know, a thing. And it's a silly example, but it goes to thinking about what is out there in the future and what might stand you in good stead then. And just actually being deliberate about taking action towards it, yeah? Yeah, nice. I went and saw Oppenheimer last night. Oh, what'd you think? It's got a lot of talking, Sasha. (laughs) Did I warn you about that? I think I might have warned you about that. Maybe you did. So we went and we went, it's three hours long, so we didn't even finish till like 11 o'clock. So so I watched the first half up until the bomb going off. I thought it was actually quite good, and I loved the way they did the bomb part. and I got the bit at the end about the fact that, we, you know, we've probably all fucked the world because of all this technology that we've kind of got there or the potential to. But from that moment when the bomb went off right through to the end of the movie, 
was just a lot of talking. <laughs> and I still don't quite understand why they were so angry at him and making him like trying to pin it on him when there was no court yeah. or outcome or yeah. it was just, it was weird. It was weird. But you know. It's a, it's, a, it's a thrilling uh, political drama mm. that if you're into that stuff and you know some of the history of what was going on, it was beautifully done, amazing. But it's not what some people think it would be. My favourite Oppenheimer thing that I've seen is a woman, an American woman on TikTok, uh, just sharing very earnestly about how her and her husband deal with uh, when they're going to see stuff that offends their morals. Yeah. So they knew that Oppenheimer had some nudity. At one point, Florence Pugh takes her top off, and you see her topless. So they discussed it in advance. Were they both going to be comfortable with this? How are they going to deal with it in the movie? Should they go to the movie knowing that this pure filth, by which they mean there was a woman topless momentarily, uh, was going to be on their screen? And so they prayed about it, and they worked it through and everything. And she said, so what we did is just as I we didn't know when it was going to come in the movie so it's going to be and it's like she's still going on and I'm like what so what they did was every time the Florence Pugh character kind of came near the you know onto the screen mm. um she just put her hands across her husband's eyes <laughs> so that that helped him not be tempted by I mean it was just this most bizarre like you can just imagine the two of them at the movie like every time this character comes on oh it might be now that she's going to get nude oh oh nudie so I think I think you've missed the point of Oppenheimer if that was your biggest concern <laughs> if your concern was for boobies and not the fact that they built this thing that was going to be incredibly destructive uh, you know, amazing um, this one thing was the thing that was really struck me about the whole movie mm. was when they were talking the Americans were talking about where they were going to drop the bomb mm. And the guy said, oh, we won't drop it in Kyoto because it was their, their old capital. They've got lots of shrines and temples there. And I went there on my honeymoon. And you realize how some of these incredible moments of history get defined by some really quite simple reasons and how the arc of history can bend in any particular way just because somebody had that reflection on that day and they decided not to. You know, and, mm. and as you know, I was in Kyoto and Easter amongst an incredible ancient treasure trove of shrines and temples and yeah. history and stuff. And yeah, oh, and you might have missed that. <laughs> no, I might have missed that part because I did lean over to my friends and go, does anybody want an ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> I went out and lined up. <laughs> Took ages, big, big queue. <laughs>